At the beginning of Matthew, it gives Jesus' genealogy. Before Jesus turns up, there's John the Baptist making a way, calling the people of Israel to repent, to turn away, and to follow the Lord once more. Then Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus, and um, we go from there. The genealogy is important, where he was born, how he's done, it was prophesied hundreds of years before. You can't plan where you're born, and you can't plan where your parents take you, uh, into Egypt and out, and all that sort of thing. You, you can't plan that. So we're saying here that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, then he starts doing things that are astounding. Remember, they haven't had a prophet for hundreds of years. They haven't had anyone doing God's stuff for a long, long time. And they've been persecuted. They've been occupied by foreign power. And then Jesus turns up and he starts doing things like healing a leper, touching and healing a leper, a person who is outcast, unclean, people do not want to get touched. I was on a train in India many years ago and I was facing forward and this leper came up behind us. I didn't know that's what he was. As soon as I, some of the Indian guy told me what it was, I went, Ugh. my first reaction, horrible, really. I was not expecting myself to do that, but that's how that would have been in those days. You don't want to touch, be near, someone who's unclean. Jesus touched this man, made him whole. That's what Jesus is like. Then you get an, en an enemy, someone who's occupying your land, a centurion coming for his servant to be healed. Jesus doesn't reject him, but accepts him. Says, your great faith. There's a whole story there. You know, that goes ongoing. But Jesus heals the servant and commends the man for his great faith. And then in chapter 8, verse 14, it says, Jesus healed many, all those that came to him. So that's an invitation. If you want to be healed, if you want to know what eternal life is about, if you want to know Jesus, he will, whoever comes to him, he doesn't reject, ever. In the uh, scripture that Neil said, John 3, 16, he said, whoever believes in him, whoever, your background. I remember seeing a, a film on some Colombian murderers in prison, people who've been contract killers for drug lords and stuff, crying, weeping, because they'd been forgiven and had a new life, even though it was in prison. The joy and the forgiveness was amazing. Whoever, whoever comes to him. And then he's been healing people and he gets in a boat and then there's a big storm. And Jesus is asleep because he knows where he's going and nothing can stop him. Okay? But his disciples, who are fishermen, some of them, know what a storm is like and how dangerous it is and they are afraid and they wake him up and said, Oi, help. <laughs> how can you not be concerned about this? And he rebukes their faith and then he says, he calms the storm and the waves subside and the wind subside and they say, what sort of man can do that? That even the storm and the winds and the sea obey him what sort of man is that you know 
And they've seen him heal lepers. They've seen him heal everybody. And then it's the wind. In other words, what they're seeing is that Jesus has authority over everything. And they're astounded. Astounded. And if we keep going through Matthew and other places, you'll see that um, Jesus says, come follow me. And then he tells you the cost. Okay? There is a cost. But he gives you a life that's worth living and joy and healing and to be with you through everything. But as Jesus was proclaiming all this, his kingdom, he had opposition from the religious leaders and from money lenders and all sorts of things. But it didn't stop him and it shouldn't stop us either. If we go through, he heals the blind. He casts out a demon from a guy who's mute, can't speak. He gets to speak. And then he sends his disciples out. They've seen a lot, they've been involved with a lot, and he sends them out to do what he's been doing. And then later, he sends 72, which are not particularly disciples, they're not the 12. They're not the apostles. They're ordinary men and women who've been following him and he sends them out. He doesn't say they're men. He says 72 people. I'm going to read the scripture because I could keep going on and on. Excuse me, I'll just pick it up. Right. So this is uh, Matthew 8, 28. And he came to the other side of the country of the Gadarenes and two demon-possessed men met him, coming out the tombs, so fierce that no one would pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of pigs... Uh, were nearby feeding some distance from them and the demons begged him saying if you cast us out send us into the herd of pigs and he said go and they came out and went into the pigs and the pigs fled and were drowned in the water the herdsmen fled going into the city they told everything especially what had happened to the demon possessed man and behold the city came out to meet Jesus and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. This story is uh, also in two other places, in Mark and in Luke, where it mentions just one man. Because this is the man with the main story. Okay? And um, uh, you get more of the story if you read that. Um, and because when they came out from that city... The guy was in his right mind. So it also describes that when they came to Jesus, they'd been in the tombs, they were crying out night and day, cutting themselves with sharp stones and naked, no clothes, and were fierce. So you want to meet that on a road coming down here? You wouldn't be coming down here. If you're regularly there, you wouldn't be coming. You just would, no, thank you. All right? So. The position is, Jesus has just come through this storm, he's calmed the storm, 
and he's saying, we're going this way to this city, to the people of the Gadarenes. And uh, then he meets these two guys. All right. And he starts to deliver them. They also recognise, these demons recognise who he is. Son of God. They proclaim it. They are afraid because they know their time's short. If the Messiah is turning up, their time is short. Not as we would do it, because that's 2,000 years ago, but their time is short. To them, they've been around for eternity, and their time is short, and they're going. And Jesus clears them out. He has authority over that. He has authority. And remember, when those guys came out, the guy was clothed, so they must have given him the clothes they had with them. Right? So not only were they, were they delivered... But they were clothed. He was in his right mind. They were so tormented it destroyed their lives. None of them would have thought, I want to end up like that. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us. And it's very real. Um, My own story with stuff like that is as a young man, um, in a place called New Zealand. Um, I was tormented by a thing that's called doing the unforgivable sin. And it had been with me since I was 16. Um, on and off, and I'd gone away, come back to God at 25, and then start getting tormented about this unforgivable sin. You don't have to worry about it. If you've done it, you're not bothered, except you know what's coming. And I was tormented so much that the only time in my life I didn't want to live. I was going out of my mind. I was so tormented. And this is what evil spirits do. They torment you. They torment you. I didn't know any church. I didn't know any Christians. So I got on my knees and I said, God, I don't want to live like this. I don't know what this is. But if I've done this sin, kill me now. If not, take it away. And it just went like that, just lifted off me and I had no thoughts ever since then I had Jesus speak to me he was, I couldn't see him, I heard him I think it was in my head, he said you're mine nothing can take you out of my head you're going to be with me forever and if you've given your life to Jesus and you're going to follow him that's your position unshakable if you haven't done it, we'll give you an opportunity at the end because we're looking at Jesus' life, not just these two guys delivered and set free in their right mind. Imagine that. I, a few years ago, I would never manage, imagined I would be in hell. Uh, Wendy and I, we said, God, where do you want us to go? And eventually led us to hell, which is a surprise. And to, for me to be working at a food bank, I see a lot of people in desperate need. Some people with mental illness, some people with demonic problems. I would never have thought I'd be seeing that on a regular basis. It's mostly very, very poor people with low incomes, sometimes with tragic stories, and we want to be there for them. And this is what Jesus is like. Whoever comes to him can be forgiven, be healed, set free, and have a life.
and a destiny to be with him forever and he'll walk through this life with you. Jumped ahead of my notes. So, he delivers them. They go out into the... He says, go to the pigs. They go that. They all jump in the lake and drown. The herdsmen seen all this. And they run off and tell everybody. And the people's response when they come out was fear and asked him to leave. And Jesus has a thing when he says, you know, if they don't receive you... Take the dust off your feet, go to the next town. And he said that to the 12, and he said that to the 72, and he says that to us as well. So, the things that Jesus does is called bringing his kingdom. We have the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's part of our Lord's prayer. It's our prayer to him. This is what Jesus is doing. And he wants us to do the same. To bring his kingdom in where we live. We often... I'll go. We often use our gifts in church. We often prophesy in church. We use words of knowledge in church, but actually they're designed for your life every day, where you are, where you work, where you move, where you have your being, where you, uh, in your families, in the people you know. And um, we have been given gifts by Jesus to bring this kingdom in. Because Jesus came to set us free from fear, the consequences of sin. These guys, we don't know what put them onto this path, all right, but it destroyed their lives. And the devil is a liar. You just need to look at TV adverts, okay? I remember when I was a kid, I used to get adverts about smoking and West, guys in Western hats and smoking. And uh, it's a lie because they kill their best customers. They do. Or you look at adverts for drinks in a pub. It's always a handsome, slim man, very pretty ladies, right? And you could be cool to drink this, whatever beer, spirit, cocktail it is. But they don't tell you about the people addicted to drink the aggressive drunks, the accidents, the wrecked lives and marriages. They don't show you that. It's a lie. It's a lie. And Jesus came to set us free from that sort of thing, from those lies, so that we can live our lives effectively, full of joy, full of victory. How do we get there? Jesus taught his disciples for three years. Then he said, Wait for me. Wait for the this Holy Spirit. Wait in that room and I will baptise you with, with, with the Spirit and fire. And that's for us too, as well. That will help us be equipped because the gifts of the Spirit come with power 
That's prophesying, wisdom, speaking in tongues so you can speak to God from your spirit because you don't always know what to pray. And all these gifts are in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 to 11. Read it. It's our responsibility to equip ourselves together to live this life. And also in Ephesians 4, it tells us that the gifts are also people to equip us to live our lives. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets, to equip us. So what do we need to do? We need to listen and do and practice together what they teach us to do. So we have the gifts of the Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the teaching from the guys that God gifts the church to uplift us, not to condemn us, to build us up so that we can go and do the stuff that Jesus does. And it's a battle because we don't fight against flesh and blood. Just tell the truth, I'm not speaking from my notes. It's all jumbled up. Sorry. But we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Paul says it. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. Right. So the person who is demonised or the person who doesn't smell very nice because they've been sleeping rough, we're not fighting against them. We've come to set them free. Jesus wants us to set them free. And he wants to use us to do that. All right. So if someone who's demonized, is, is, we don't know how they got to be there. All right. But these guys that came to Jesus wanted to be set free. Once they encountered him, they wanted to be set free. And he did it for them. And he can do it today through us. What does that take for us? Not only to equip ourselves with asking the Holy Spirit to come upon us, asking the Father for instructions in each situation. But we have the gifts of the Spirit and we have Jesus walking with us every day and we should be communicating. I'm talking to myself here too. Right? We should be communicating with him more and listening to him and then saying, Lord, what do I do in this situation? What does this person want? And the more you ask, and the more you hear, the more effective you will be in the kingdom of God. The more people will be set free. The more people will come to know him. This is for us all. And you can't just do it all by yourself. So there's gifts of people to teach us. We meet in small groups. We encourage one another. We build one another up. You know, and that's the way forward. But the whole thing is driven by love. As Neil said, for God so loved the world. All right. Paul said, you can do all these miracles, but you didn't have love, you're a gong, making a noise. So it's love and compassion. When Jesus saw a widow taking her dead son to the cemetery, 
he had compassion because in those days that son should be providing for his mother and she had no one. And he reached out and that guy was alive. Also, in another situation, a father, his daughter's dying, he knows she's dying. He's a leader in Israel and he humbles himself because he's desperate for his daughter. Right? Jesus brings her back from the dead. Now, if you think maybe she fainted, went to sleep, we've got Lazarus, who's been in the tomb for three days, and they, when he told them to roll the stones out, they stink, it was stinking there, because they didn't keep their bodies in fridges before they buried them. They didn't have them. So after three days, in a very hot climate, it pongs. And then, Je- and then Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, and he walked out of it. Okay. I saw a video quite a few years ago, because it's a video, not a CD, of a guy looking really panicky because um, a guy had died. He had, uh, this was the mortician who was very afraid because he knew he drained the blood and everything else like that. They took the body to church and they started praying. Right? And he comes back to life. And he'd been in heaven, he'd taken a load of notes and all he was saying was, where's my notebook? <laughs> all right? And he came back to life and then they introduced him to the mortician who looked deadly afraid because he knew what he'd done to the body and it wasn't possible for that guy to be walking. It wasn't possible. God is still at work to do that. It takes faith. What is faith? The more we trust God's word, that's the Bible, God's word through us, through the Holy Spirit, trust and walk with him. The closer we walk with him, the more we'll grow in faith together so that we can do these things. I have been shocked by some of the miracles God's done. Uh, I know that when I prayed for a diabetic man in India, his choice was, you know, when he ran out of money, he's going to die. And when he asked me to pray, I thought, that's impossible, because it is. But nothing is impossible for God. So I gathered a load of guys. I've told this story before because it shocked me. Uh, we prayed for him. He said, thank you. Not very much walked, got himself tested. He didn't have diabetes. He invited me to dinner. And it wasn't me, I can tell you, that healed him. Because I couldn't do it. Can you? With God directing you, empowering you, you can. And you will be shocked, thrilled, many times over, as you go through life, taking chances. Because the Holy Spirit will talk to you. I remember... Um, some guys were praying for this guy who wanted to become a Christian and they were praying for him and they weren't asking him to do anything. I just heard from God, he needs to speak these words. And he spoke those words and became born again. I had to interrupt, actually, because the Spirit was prompting. Sometimes you have to interrupt. You don't have to be rude, but you can interrupt. Okay. The Spirit of God will prompt you be bold. I have to tell myself this, right? Be bold. Right? Because I bottled it two weeks ago with someone I was talking to in food bank. I'll see them again. And I won't. I won't bottle it a second time. Okay? And if we do, we say, sorry, Father, give us another chance. 
But we step out. We step out. Jesus stepped out. So we build one another. We tell the stories that have happened to us. It helps build faith. For me, my story is about my knees. Sounds strange, but I damaged my knees so badly in my very early 20s, I was told that I was going to be crippled. I wouldn't be able to use, I wouldn't be able to bend, I wouldn't be able to do a proper job. And I haven't been to church for years. And I went and just put my hands on my knees at home um, in the room I was renting. I said, Jesus, heal me. I can't go through like this. I'm only 20. Poor little boy. And he, and because um, the pain was intermittent, it was horrible, both knees. It was horrible pain when it was there. And I couldn't do hardly anything when it was there. And then for a few months, I didn't have that pain. And I suddenly realised I'm leaping around, doing all sorts of stuff. And I thought I'd better say thank you. I didn't have pain in my knees till I was in my 40s. Guess what I did? I asked Jesus to heal it again. And he did. And in my 50s. So far in my 60s, I'm fine. Thank you, God. And it's only because he healed me. I didn't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But if we come to him, he can heal us, deliver us, set us free, give us a life. If we follow him. If you don't know him today, I can tell you how to do that. You come to him and you say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Because we've all hurt, thought, and done all sorts of things that we're ashamed of. I've hurt other people, hurt ourselves. Lord, I want to turn away from that. I want to follow you. I want to be full of your spirit. I want you to guide me, help me live this life to the full. And guess what? He will. You pray that prayer with a friend, by yourself. I was by myself in a country where I didn't know any Christians. And I was guided by God's Spirit every day. It was wonderful. I didn't know quite what hit me some of the time. I was very introverted, very quiet. And I still had a few drinks in me. But I... God has just changed me bit by bit through the years and I'm so grateful. I missed out a bit. In Ephesians 6, the other equipping bit is the full armour of God. I'm not going to read it all, but the book of Ephesians is a good book to go through. It tells you in the beginning, you're standing in Christ. Then it tells you in say chapter 4, this is very brief, chapter 4 about the gifts that God gave, Jesus gave, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts of men. And it describes that. And then in chapter 6, it goes on. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Not our might. His might. Put on the whole armour of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Those two demoniacs had no help until Jesus turned up. And he delivered them. Okay. The devil is a liar. He wants to destroy your life. If you look at the acts of Jesus, his love, compassion, he came to save those who believed in him, whoever came to him. If you follow the lies of this world and the devil, he wants to destroy you. He wants you addicted. He wants your marriages to fail. He wants your relationships. And he will do everything he can 
to do that. So if we put the whole armour on, I'll just say one other thing. It says in the Bible, my people destroyed because they don't know enough. That's why we need to be equipped. That's why we need to use the gifts of the Spirit. And this is why we need to put the armour on. And I'd wish I'd known this when I was 16. Okay, really. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, to stand in the evil day. So, it tells you to put on the belt of truth. Truth you find in the Bible. Breastplate of righteousness. God, Jesus made you righteous. You need to remind yourself of that. You're right before God. You can come before him anytime and he welcomes you and will commune with you and talk with you if you hang around enough. Okay? I don't hang around enough and neither do we and we need to. And the shoes for the feet to put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. Jesus' message and his kingdom. Shield of faith to extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy. We get oppressed by all sorts of things and people and circumstances and it can affect our faith if we let it. Helmet of salvation. We're saved. I'm going very quickly through this. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications to the end. Keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. So this is a whole package really that I wanted to come and to encourage us with going forward so that we can grow up and we're not tossed to and fro. I'm talking to myself, not just to you, together to become mature, to be able to know what spiritual forces are about, to be able to use God's gifts that he's given us to follow him with the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Because Jesus came to seek and save the lost, to give life abundantly so that we could be with him forever. This life is short. I'm going to be 68 next month. I can hardly believe it. You know, I didn't think I'd live this long, quite frankly. I've, I've nearly drowned twice, falling down a shell face on a, on a small mountain, thinking I'm going to fall into a river. And I'm crying, oh God, no. And it was no, it didn't happen. I'm so grateful both times, all those times, and all sorts of other circumstances. Uh, my relatives seemed to pop off at an early age, except for one. And I thought, you know, I was going to go in my 50s. A God I had a man come pray for me. He said, you've cursed yourself, saying you're going to die in your 50s. God doesn't want that for you. He's going to give you a long life. And he prayed over me. He didn't know anything about my circumstances. You will come across people 
And God will tell you stuff to help them and deliver them and to encourage them and to get them saved. And, they, and you will know nothing other than what God gives you, but they will be shocked that you know stuff. Right? And you need to tell them, it's God cares for you, wants you saved, wants you healed, delivered from evil forces so that you can live a life with him, for him. This is all coming from two men who were delivered into their right minds. So what is our responsibility? What is our part in all this? When Jesus went and ascended, I'll read the scripture. Okay. So when they came together, this is the end of Matthew chapter 28. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He also says, go make disciples. We are those disciples. That's our commission, to tell people about Jesus and his saving, loving grace. So, what is our part? We are to use the gifts that God's given. The Holy Spirit gifts, the gifts of people to teach and encourage and build us up so that we can go do the stuff that Jesus did. We need to equip ourselves. That's what this is saying. Together. As a little church, that's what we are. Together, we can do amazing things. Together. As we build one another up, encourage. So I'm going to end there. Having only done half my notes. But I want to pray for you. And then we're going to have tea and coffee and chat. And if you want prayer, if you want to talk about anything, anything, come see me. Um, or anyone you know in this church. Okay. So I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for Jesus. That he came and invaded this world for good to seek and save the lost. But not just to save us, but he equipped us, Father. You've equipped us to do the stuff that Jesus did. The privilege of praying for people to be healed, delivered, born again into a new life. And I pray for us as we go forward as a church, that we would build one another up in this most holy faith that we would walk with you daily, commune with you daily, encouraging one another. I pray for your spirit to be upon us, Lord, to equip us and to encourage us to work together for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.